The Incomparable. Number 183. February 2014. There is unrest in the Incomparable panel. The host of the show has declared his intention to make them watch the Star Wars prequels. A separatist movement, under the leadership of the mysterious Count Syracusa, has insisted that it's quite difficult to watch the prequels in one sitting. Understanding that watching the prequels is a critical issue, the host of The Incomparable has enlisted an army of panelists to watch Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones. Those panelists are Dan Morin, Monty Ashley, John Syracusa, Serenity Caldwell, and Steve Lutz. Okay, I want to I want to paint a little word picture for you guys because I I want to take you back to when I met my wife and the thing that made her fall in love with me is I said to her, you know, I don't like <laughs> sand. <laughs> Here, everything's soft and smooth. Unlike me. What a line! What a li- that is like one of the greatest lines ever. You have to couple it with a caress, Jason. That's the key. Well, I did, I did at the time, and the amazing thing is, it totally works. That is just yes. the greatest line in the history of romance. I, mean, I don't you like can just see all. All the women in the audience are swooning oh, by that point, aren't they? Saying, "Oh!" And when he would say, "That's soft like you," and that, like, I expected her to shrink from his touch and or to run <laughs> screaming away, but no, she's like, "This is such a turn on." Okay, let's ask. Let's ask our our uh, our our expert, our our, our woman panelist, Serenity. <laughs> what are your feelings about sand? Uh... <laughs> you don't you don't like sand? I don't think she likes it. Oh yeah, it gets every- no. I oh god, I can't even <laughs> like I. But here, I tune so, out when those lines are being. Well, it's the uh, oh, Naboo. I I can't even form coherent sentences about this <laughs> because not only is it pair, you know, the dialogue is not fantastic. Especially you have this beautiful <laughs> landscape, right? You have this beautiful, Italy. wonderful Italian landscape, Etruscan art. Um, and then you have this horrible dialogue, and then you have this horrible dialogue while Anakin's hand is ever so subtly first snaking up your hand and then suddenly finding itself on your back and, like, slowly (laughs) caress. I mean, you look at Natalie Portman's face, and it is stone cold. That's the kind of face you put on when someone's come up to you and they're super drunk and they look like they're, you know, that you can't really fight them. But you're not really sh- – it's it's a coiled snake Shields up. expression. Yeah, exactly. Shields up. When he goes in for the kiss, he pauses an inch away from her face, and her face doesn't move. <laughs> and then they hold on that for and then he licks 20 her seconds. And it's really creepy, and it's Sherlock. <laughs> He's Magnuson. That's the, that's the theory, the trick. This is not the bit where they actually kiss, is it? I mean, this happens a little uh, bit later. No, I think – well, according to my – I think this is – According to my notes, like, those are right next to This is when they kiss. This is when they kiss, but this is the no-no – we can't do this. Well, this is this is this because particular scene out. is is Monty Python level hilarious because <laughs> as they're kissing, there's this huge swell of dramatic music, and then she breaks away and says no, and it just cuts short. <laughs> it is totally like something out of Life of Brian. Damn John Williams for making such nice music to go with I such know. an incredibly terrible movie. Yes. Because the music Music's itself great. stands on its own. It's fine. Like, it has a Star Wars feel, but kind of an old-timey classic feel. And it's like, that music is in this movie, and it just kills me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, John it's Williams. It's like he's in your very soul, t- tormenting you. <laughs> oh, God. 
Like, if you had to make a parody of this, like, if you're trying to do, like, scary movie, like, we're going to make the lines sound really dumb and dorky because, like, say this movie came out and the, and the love scene lines were kind of embarrassing and stilted. You can make a parody of it. I don't think you can parody these lines. There's no way you can make them more stilted, less believable, no. less creepy. And same thing with the acting. Can you get a parody actor to make a creepy, leering half-smile that's any worse than the one Hannigan makes for this entire movie? I don't think you can. We really haven't talked much about Hayden Christensen's general acting capability, but I think it, it might be it might be wise to discuss that a little bit. Well, it's hard to tell when this is your major barometer. He's good at acting creepy. As, a, as an actor, I think Hayden Christensen acquits Jake Lloyd quite well. <laughs> at least Jake Lloyd had a personality. Yeah. No, no. I, Hayden has exactly two facial expressions. He's got sexual predator, and he's got <laughs> severely constipated. <laughs> And he alternates between them just completely at random. It's like he's throwing a die inside his head. And he's, oh, it's it's smirk time. So now by all by all accounts, he's good in Shattered Glass, but he's yeah. playing a creep in that movie. Oh, okay. So <laughs> he may he may have been typecast. Yeah. And he seems to have only ever read about how actual humans talk. Although that could be the director's fault. Yeah, I mean, if you only saw these other actors in this movie. I don't think you would give them much credence. Either. I mean, like Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, he's, Samuel he's L. Jackson. He's terrible in this movie. He's asleep. And he loved Star Wars and was really excited to be in the movie and talked himself into a bigger part. And yet, even he, my favorite scene is him coming into the to to uh, Yoda when like Yoda's sensing Anakin in pain and he comes in and he sits on the little couch thing and he like crosses <laughs> his knees. Yeah. He's like, "So, what you what's thinking? Up? What's going on?" <laughs> Are we sitting on pillows now? It's important for me to be in the scene for some reason because I have a purple lightsaber. So here I am. Let's uh, talk exposition. Would you like to join the Avengers? <laughs> That's oh. right. <laughs> uh, I think, did we skip over the douche commercial? Because my wife really wanted us to talk about that. <laughs> Please be more specific. <laughs> The one, the one where they're in front of the waterfalls and the giant, the giant uh, mammalian ticks are there. I mean, it's such a beautiful scene. They decide to put horse-sized ticks. Oh yeah, so so in here's the scene. here's the. Oh, well, I have the. We 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 listen to Anakin's <laughs> political theory, which has to, which essentially is uh, where he's endorsing the campaign of Vladimir Putin. I think we need a strong <laughs> leader here. Really deep uh, political thought from Anakin Skywalker. Which to the point, the woman who grew up doing all of the model UN stuff on Naboo and became the queen and all. Might want to call him on his BS there, but apparently she's just is so in love with him. That's that adorable. His, his stupid things. She's like, okay, whatever. And then what does he do for his encore? He rides a pig cow and falls off of it. In my notes, that's referenced as the capering. Oh, God, the capering. <laughs> yeah, and, and have we not learned that having people jump on top of CG things, even when it's a CG person, like I'm thinking of Legolas jumping on the, the cave troll in Fellowship where it was a computerized Legolas. There's just something super, super, super duper fake about having a human, computer or otherwise, jump onto a creature. Like, it never looks like they're connected to the thing they're jumping onto. They're kind of like, it's like a video game where they don't have good collision detection and you're kind of on top of the creature. You could say the same thing about Anakin and Padme. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Like, I don't know. I don't understand why that was in that scene. Like, they need to show them rolling around on the grass and falling in love. and And again, you know exactly what this scene is supposed to be besides the Summer's Eve commercial. And it fails. It fails to make you think they're falling in love. It fails to convince you that there's any reason that, that A, any human should ever love either one of these people, and B, that they would love each other. I was going to point out that if, if she's trying to dissuade Anakin from mooning after her, lounging about in the firelight in her leather corset seems like kind of a bad idea. Yeah, I know. So I've got my bondage outfit on. Let's talk about how we can't be together. <laughs> Let's talk about politics. <laughs> Mixed signals. Yeah. So tell me more about your political theories. I want to hear more about that now. Not cool. Not cool. 
that's where Anakin goes, I'm in agony. I'm like, it's just blue balls, dude. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, seriously, that's that's his line. He's only 18, man. He can't have gone through it. Look, it's, up until this point, it's been all Gundar Pits and Obi-Wan. So blue balls might be a kind of new experience for him. But like, seriously, like if you're going to read his character, is in any way realistic that he's creepy, he's leering, and he's super duper horny because he's been living a life of a Jedi. And I, the people who play off of him don't make any sense. They don't react to him the way anyone would react to this character. But he is a consistent character. It's just a terrible character. That's just the other people in the movie are seeing a different character. Maybe it's two timelines that are mixed, like the city and the city. It's it's a lot worse. It's space blue balls. Those are. Those are the Far worst. In space blue balls, no one can hear you. They should use the power of the forest to do something about that. Could they well, yeah, the- I think this is the best line in the entire movie in this scene. He says, believe me, I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. <laughs> I can't even read it. From my notes with a straight face, I wish that I could wish, just wish away my feelings, but I can't. But I can't. Word that the I could wish away my feelings for wish away the my word. No, he's, he's got wish. Wish is in the sentence twice. I That's wish that wish. I could wish away. Yeah. Like, who's letting that through? Sorry, Master Anakin, you've used two wishes. Oh. <laughs> he just needs to use the Jedi pants trick. What? <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on. <laughs> To oh god, this is I, I I fell into the pit of despair here because it's really because we we get some intercutting back and forth at this point. We've got just taut uh, conversations between again um, the guy who can't play along Obi Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett. There's a, a something right out of a James Bond movie, which is like, "Hello, I am here to meet you. I don't know what you're talking about. I have you been to Coruscant? Maybe." Has it been recently? I don't know. Hey, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. So that's a great line. Son, close that door that has my evil poison dart armor in it. Wink. Your clones are very impressive. You must be proud. (laughs) Incidentally, that is a far better pickup line than I don't like sand. (laughs) I don't know. The sand line kind of worked. This is all I'm saying. And it gets everywhere. I really do do like there's a uh, so so when uh, Obi-Wan makes his phone call from Kamino, his hologram phone call in the rain. I love that he's standing in the rain. Yeah, why is he standing in the rain making the hologram? Get in the ship and make the call. He's just being wet for no reason. He's just miserable. Go back in the hallway and call. We only have an external hologram speakerphone on this ship. It does not come with an internal speakerphone. <laughs> that is on the new model. He could not afford the new model. The communication technology is very bad in this world, especially considering Jedi can sense murder half a galaxy away. <laughs> But not centipedes in the next room. Or pain. They, yeah, they have a hard time. Can relay this call through, through, uh, through Anakin in Camino, and it's cold, and he's standing outside. I think to get a better signal, he's outside. He gets an extra bar on his hologram phone outside. Well, the, the, he uses the uh, the vegetable strainer to get a better signal. It pops out of his ship. <laughs> That's right. It's like a bamboo steamer or something. I, there is a nice moment where um, Yoda brings up. Um, Mace Windu short because doesn't doesn't he say something like we need to tell the Senate that we don't know what the hell the Jedi are doing our abilities are d- diminished now we need to let them know he says no we should keep that to ourselves why would we reveal your weakness there no we can't do that also isn't this the first that we've heard at it we're like at the midpoint through this trilogy now and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa what what's going on with the Jedi powers seem fine to me we've lost our ability to use the Force or something we've become dumb. Yeah. For some reason, the script is making should, us dumb. Should we let the council know? Duh, I don't know. Your apprentice is the one who is prophesied to return competence to the Force. <laughs> so Anakin is is um is supposed to stay. He's been given strict orders 
to stay on Naboo and and protect Amidala, but he has a dream that he needs to go to Tatooine and find his mom. Oh, that, that's does. a great scene. That that dream scene where they, they show him in the covers going, no, no, this is the dream scene. I must shake back and forth, kind of. But and then, this, then the scene ends. He doesn't wake up. He doesn't have a revelation. We don't see his dream. That's the entire scene. Yep. It was cheap, though. <laughs> had a premonition that his mother who has been a slave for his entire life, <laughs> right. might be having a bad time. This Jedi Academy is apparently so strict that, it, can I go home and visit my mother who's a slave? No, never. Call Actually, her on the just, hologram phone. Nope, can't talk to her, can't see her. You have to leave her as a slave. Right. Right, you can't, you can't like, hey, I'm a Jedi now, maybe I could go back and like make her not a slave. Sorry, we don't, we don't get reception on Tatooine, so. You can't go back from one of those border disputes and just stop by Tatooine and see how Say your mom the slave mom. is doing. It's the prime directive of the prequels, no interfering with the, uh, the culture of your own actual planet where your mother lives. Can't we just stop by? It's on the way to Coruscant. No. Nope, sorry. No. Nope. Can't go there. So he plays hooky, he plays space hooky and goes there. Um, and meanwhile, we get a fight on Kamino between Boba Fett and, or sorry, with Jango Fett. This is the Boba Fett fight we never got to really see. The really great, like, Where he gets Boba to shoot Fett the fight. rocket from his you, backpack. You think this is a great scene? Cause no, no, I don't. I don't. I'm thinking that's the point of the scene, right? That point of the scene is finally a knockdown dragout between Boba Fett, or okay, Jango Fett, and a Jedi. Finally, we didn't get this in the original trilogy, but here we're going to lay it all out for you. In this scene, there's a moment when Jango is attached to obi-wan by a uh string of some sort Cable. yes and uh, Django flies off the ledge and obi-wan practically looks straight in the camera and says oh <laughs> that's not, not good. good before he gets yanked it's cartoon writing that's my favorite line in the whole movie what are you talking about oh not good <laughs> i'm talking about i hate it <laughs> i'm impressed with the fact that 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 obi-wan falls off that ledge while tied up at the wrist somehow manages and, and not to dislocate yeah. either of no. his wrists or break he, them on the tensile metal cable he stops himself with a string yeah it's Jedi it's power. Like the, it would have cut through his hands like dental floss it was like Jedi piano power. wire practically that he's he saved himself with no neither neither one of these supposedly amazingly competent warriors comes off looking powerful or smart in this oh. fight scene it's, it's, it's the rain very it's the rain. sloppy Lots of lots of unforced errors. Mm-hmm. Very bad strategy. <laughs> Jedi kung fu kicks. Boba Fett has a good idea to shoot him with the ship. That's a reasonable good idea for the kid. He's the only one who looks like he has a little bit of initiative. But their their strategies for fighting each other are terrible, especially since Jedi's powers wax and wane throughout this entire prequel series oh, yeah. of like, you know, well, you, you could just use your force to, you know, chuck him off into the ocean where push he'll him drown. Push him into the water, or, yeah. Yeah, but no, I right. think we'll, we'll we'll have fisticuffs instead. Well, you have to you have to disable his lightsaber, too, right, in the first two seconds yeah. of the fight, or else it, it ends up very, you know, uninteresting very quickly. Well, that's really easy to do because those guys do not hold on to their lightsabers at all. And, of course, they always forget that they can use the force to pick them back up. Yeah. He does it later on, but not here. It's, you know, it's raining. His force powers don't work as well in the rain. It's yeah. high moisture in the air, density. Sure, that explains why somebody from a desert planet has high midichlorians. Yes. <laughs> Although I have to say, as the Django-Obi fight continues, once they get into space, I think it got a little bit more interesting because I remember liking, and the first time I saw this and I liked it again, when Django's ship is chasing him, it fires constantly. At the, like and that's exactly what you would expect. Like when you're playing a Star Wars video game, you don't just fire like blast, blast, fly, blast, blast. You just hit that fire button like crazy. So it would make sense that the bounty hunter ship would be modified to just shoot lasers like crazy. And as he's chasing Obi Wan, he's not just firing once and Obi Wan will dodge and fire once. Just constant firing. And I thought that was an appropriate 
appropriate armament for the, for the ship. It made it look like Obi-Wan was in some amount of danger, and it made Jango Fett look like an actual competent bounty hunter. And it made it made Obi-Wan look skilled for escaping. I kind of like the seismic bombs in the asteroid. Yep. Like, I, actually, I like the impressive. sound effect. Like, yeah. again, yeah. Ben Burt at his, at his finest doing some really cool work there. But, I mean, it also kind of feels like a rehash of Empire, right? Like, with the flying yeah, asteroid field. It yeah. is. But, like, when I came to these scenes in the movie that looked like they were, oh, this is a chase scene, I'm like, oh, thank God, a, ch- a scene that makes some kind of narrative sense. I that need guy's to catch chasing this guy. that guy, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to try to kill him, and he's going to leave when he thinks he's dead, and the guy's clever for making him think he's dead. And it makes sense. The asteroid scene is another of those things that makes me think this movie is just composed of things from previous movies, but Lucas has no idea what people liked and didn't like. Right. So they'll say, here's an exciting scene with a bar, a bunch of aliens. You guys like that? Oh, here's Baru. You guys like Baru, right? (laughs) (laughs) We changed the color of the milk. It's brown now, not blue. That's blue later. Oh, but we get a blue milk later. Yeah. I always liked fixing things. (laughs) <laughs> the whole point of having Jango Fett be the father of the clones is because Lucas couldn't figure out another way to put Boba Fett in the yeah, movie. Right. So he just put his dad in. It's still Boba Fett, right? Wearing the same like hat. Him. I mean, Boba Fett's still in the movie. He's just like seven. Yeah. yeah. You, love, you love when we have kid versions have of lots characters. Of Boba Fett. You guys yeah. love that. It's great. <laughs> Baby Bobas. You said you liked Boba Fett. This character's called Boba Fett. You like this character. Come on, guys. By the way, the word seismic... <laughs> pertaining to or caused by an earthquake or vibration of the earth. Yeah. Well, it's it's an asteroid. Well, if you're going to be like that, we shouldn't hear the sound at all. Yeah, but they explode in the air. Not the air, the space. Maybe it's a brand name like Kleenex. Well, in the lack of air. They explode in the lack of air. Still not earth. Yeah, they still they sound kind of cool. It's like a, somebody with a really big guitar I mean, played a yeah, guitar it, string. It's a cool scene. If you slow down for a second, you'll notice things like Obi-Wan saying... Seismic bombs. Hang on. He's talking to something that's literally bolted to the ship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things speaking of things that are like uh, from other movies that he thought would be a good idea, this is a theme in all of episode two, and it was my strongest impression upon first seeing the movie in the theater, is that uh, Lucas splits the party, and he does that in Empire as well. Like, you have some main characters... You try to establish their relationships to each other in the beginning of the movie and fails in this movie. And then you split them apart. But boy, what a difference when you split off like Luke had to go to Yoda and he had an actual mission. He's doing stuff and and Han and Leia are having their relationship while they run from the Empire and everything. Here, you send Obi-Wan off with R4. No offense to R4, but there is no (laughs) shared history between Obi-Wan and R4. R4 is boring. R4 is no one that you would ever want to see or talk to. And Obi-Wan is forced to spend the majority of the middle of this movie saying inane things to R4 who we don't care about, who he has no relationship with. And I feel so bad for him. Ewan McGregor spending the middle part of this movie talking to an inanimate lump of metal without personality. <laughs> they even reused the sound effects for the droid, for the R4. Those were sound effects that weren't used in the original, like they were in stuff that was cut out of the original movies. We're like, hey, we got these on tape somewhere. Just import those. We'll just use those. It's cool. Well, we don't have to add another actor. That's what I feel like is the, is the low point in this movie, and that's really saying something, is when he's on Geonosis and he's sitting there in a CG, like, Grand Canyon thing, talking to R4's red head. I'm like, yep. oh, God, I'm so, I feel so bad for you. I was going to say that R4 is more animate than any of the other characters in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> more R4. <laughs> Time to take a break to talk about a sponsor, and I'm going to make some recommendations to George Lucas. My sponsor is lynda.com. 
You've heard about Linda on The Incomparable before. It's a subscription service. They're more than 2,000 high-quality, engaging video courses. They're taught by experts. They're shot in state-of-the-art lynda.com studios. They've got a great web interface, lets you watch anywhere on your computer, on your mobile device. You can jump around in the courses. They've got courses from super high expert level down to introductory courses if you're just starting out. So lynda.com is a great place to go online to learn what you want when you want it. I want to point out an example of something that's available on lynda.com. For example, you may be thinking, yes, I can learn about the Mac or I can learn about the, the iPhone. I can learn about using Adobe's Creative Suite or Microsoft Office. This is all true. They have courses about almost every popular piece of software that you can think of. There's development coursework for HTML, JavaScript, uh, iOS development, I mean, you name it, they have those courses. But they've also got stuff like photography and screenwriting. And I wanted to talk about screenwriting just for a little bit. I, what? Why, why would I talk about that during an episode about the Star Wars prequels? I don't know. Maybe George Lucas could use a trial subscription to lynda.com. They've got screenwriting courses. I'm just looking here at what they've got. Uh, video script writing, screenwriting fundamentals. I think that one George might want to look at. So, you know, getting started with screenwriting, screenwriting fundamentals. Just one example, George, of a great course you could take on lynda.com. And of course, I'm also busy uh, improving some of my audio recording technology by reading their stuff about Logic Pro and fundamentals of audio editing. So I am learning too, and you can learn too. So here's what you want to do. You want to go to lynda.com slash incomparable. That's right, lynda.com slash incomparable. You start a free trial. You access the entire library for free during the trial. It's not a it's not a trial where you get the first part of every course and then you have to pay to see the rest of it. Your free trial covers everything that you can possibly watch on lynda.com. And once you try it, you're going to love it. So here's where you go. lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable to start your free trial. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable. lynda.com, high quality video courses on your tablet, on your phone, on your computer from the experts. And George Lucas, if you're out there, uh, lynda.com slash incomparable screenwriting courses. Check it out. We should talk, speaking of rehashing things from previous movies, we go to back to Tatooine and we yes. get to see Mos Eisley Spaceport. We yes. get to see Watto again. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Annie. Are you back? We Everybody wanted to see Annie. A Hey, it's my old slave. <laughs> it's a you liked Watto, right? It's you. He's uh, back. And it's Padme. Sure. She still looks like a harem girl, even though she's trying to look inconspicuous. That seems kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I used to own you, remember? Ah, it's good, good times. Time. Yeah. <laughs> remember the way we used to whip you? That was an awesome time. <laughs> I sold your mother. That's not a problem, is it? Okay. No. Go kill someone oh, wait, else. Guys. I'll give you her number. S you can call Sitcom. her. Oh, this is a sitcom opportunity. How I Sold Your Mother. It's like 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Um, so, and, and we find out, we, we go and we, we, we meet her husband and his, what, his, his son and his girlfriend, I guess. Yes. Who, hey, again, like you said, you like Baru and Owen, right? 
right? She doesn't even get a line. Also, in the uh, in the underused uh, great uh, Australian actors, both Joel Edgerton, who plays Owen, and Rose Byrne, who plays Padme's handmaiden, who right. both gone on to way better way things. Way better than things. This. this is where also we learn, I think, for the first time, that Anakin's mother's name is Shmi. 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 And I wrote down one note in this entire sequence, and it's just this. It's a Shmi. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, the things we do to get through. I think know. it's really weird that Anakin wants to go kill the Sand People, but has nothing against the guy who bought and then married his mother. Because that's creepy. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's like it's like a Tatooine mail order wife. Well, Watto says he freed her, but I mean... after buying her, no, he bu- he bought her. <laughs> you freed can't her free her unless her. you buy her. Come on. Uh, yeah, I gotta uh... assume that it was. Oh, I've fallen in love with you. You're such a wonderful woman. I'm right. going to free you from this horrible lifestyle. It just had to be done off Now we're married. Get in the kitchen. He can't write that. <laughs> I bought you to put the blue in the milk and to fix the moisture evaporators, but it turns out I love you. Can't you see it? I love you. <laughs> so here, so what's the deal? The sand people are another uncomfortable thing here because in episode one and a little bit in, I guess, in New Hope, like they're kind of like comical people of the sand. Oh, look at them taking pot shots at the at the pod racers yeah. and they're, they try to scare people with their noises, but then Obi-Wan comes out and scares them. But here, I they're, guess they're, they're kidnapping humans from, from the civilized part of Tatooine to keep them as, what, sex slaves? I don't know what they, like, why would they want her? Why would or they keep food? her alive? I and don't know, I... and cha- she was chained up there for, like, a, like a month or something. And, like, you know, I, what were they doing with her during that time? It doesn't. Yeah, I had that same much... thought, and I stifled it quickly. It reads like a bad Western, right? Like, an, like a simplistic view of, like, oh, you know, our nice white folk were kidnapped, right? Like it's it's weird and uncomfortable. There's an uncomfortable parallel there that seems just very simplistic and bizarre. Like let's let's just reduce these people to savages, basically. But to what end? Like they don't want to go all the way and say they've they've taken her as a sex slave, but they just say they're like animals, Dan. They're like animals. It's so because it, this movie like dips towards the darkness, but it, it shies away a lot of times. And I think the other part of it is it's sort of what we saw with the clones and the droids, which is. Yeah, you want this to be a dark thing with Anakin killing these people, but you also don't want them to people like the audience to feel too bad because you still need to view this guy as the main character. Yeah. If those were like, you know, people with like faces that you could see, you would have a really hard time coming back from that. But they need to somehow soften that. And their answer is, let's just make them aliens. Also, she dies as soon she dies as soon as he finds her. Cause of death, the script. No, not not quite as soon. She (laughs) has a chance to say, I, I love. Oh! Well, who does she love? We never find out who she loves. It's just a mystery. A mystery of this movie. She loves Lars. Let's be fair. Pizza! Pizza! I love pizza! No, no. She, you know what she was going to say, and this is the irony of it. She was going to say, I love sand. <laughs> I love sand. I've never understood your disliking of sand. I love it. It's like the, the most emotion-free mother-son death scene ever recorded in, in moving pictures. <laughs> Like, because we don't, we don't, we haven't seen her the whole movie. We don't, I mean, I guess you kind of buy uh, his love for his mother, but if you loved her so much, why didn't you visit before? There's no explanation for that. And she's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just glad you're here. I don't care that you've never visited me. And I'm, it just makes no sense. We haven't seen her the whole movie. And she was just a non entity in the first movie, too. I didn't understand his whole line about how they were animals and I slaughtered them like animals. I mean,. Okay, that's how it lines up. If they're animals and you slaughter <laughs> them like animals, what are you whining about? You well, know, like I tend to like to slaughter my animals more like uh, vegetables. <laughs> it's just what I do. I just put them in a food processor, press the button. 
pulse. But it, it is it is that moment that gets you questioning Padme's own rationales, right? Like, because she goes and she sleeps with him after this point, right? And she, it's such a, it's such a turn on. Like, he's not even a plausible bad boy. Ooh, you killed women and children. I'm getting all hot. What are you talking about? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not even it's a turn. I mean, it's like okay, I guess if you do some bad things and you put it in defense, she says like, oh, they killed your mother, right? And it's like, like, well, it's okay. I guess, but if, you. you know, people killed my mother, and then like I went and killed not only the people responsible, but like the women and the children and their dogs. And the whole village playing around the fire you know i'd like to think somebody might you know disturb, interpret that as a warning too far sign. she's she's very understanding she's like that seems reasonable in padme's defense she does take this opportunity to utter the most self-aware line in the entire film which is sometimes there are things no one can fix oh, so 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 true but things make more sense when when he can fix them speaking of lines with oh. no subtext that that scene i'm good at fixing things yeah but she's read the script, apparently. Well, he said he also says in that scene, "I wasn't or I wasn't strong enough to save you, mom." Not demonstrated. What do you mean you aren't strong enough? What does strength to visit her? Strength like there was no scene in which your strength nope. was tested and no. failed, and that's why Johnny's going to become the most powerful Jedi in the world, and someday he will even be able to stop people from dying. Right, but he like spells just, it out for you. What more do you want? <laughs> I think you caused her death by showing up because once you showed up, the script said, and now she has to die. Such an (laughs) anticlimax. What a weird choice to have her be here and have her be already be taken. And then she dies when he finds her, but they have a moment. It just seems like such a strange Everything's choice because she didn't want to die to... until she saw her her son. Yeah, the yeah, last yeah. Time. yeah. She yeah. died of a broken heart, and then he has this the great writing of to, to really express his catharsis and emotion at her grave. He says, "I miss you so much." That's right. Good job, George. Good job. Almost as much as I did for the last 10 years. And then he steals his old droid. This is all very exciting, but I want to cut across the universe deep inside the mysterious planet of Geonosis, where we've just barely escaped with our lives, us being apparently Obi-Wan Kenobi and that boring droid. And deep <laughs> down inside the planet, he's landed in a uh, in a strange location and, and entered sneakily using his jedi powers and what he listens and what does he hear he hears that guy from the trade federation talking about treaties the trade federation guys hooray that's damning treaties here this movie's looking up plus plus saruman the white from lord of the rings which is very exciting love that well but how how does he get in does he sneak in he kind of walks quietly i guess he basically just walks in like he he uses the same cunning that your sister uses to eavesdrop on you that's basically what it's actually the same cunning that um that when when uh he does his call uh and anakin and to to anakin and padme to come and get him to because he needs a ride and um and by the way anakin's like no 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 um, I can't go. They told me not to go. And, and Padme's like, what, now I have to talk you into following orders? We're here because you disobeyed orders. Why would we not go there? It, it doesn't really make well, any sense. Samuel L. Jackson told him to, and you got to listen when Samuel L. Jackson tells but you. But when those guys get to Geonosis, they just find like a steam vent hole and just drop right into it and get out. And the steam is apparently not burning. Or well, that's also a landing pad, apparently. It's conveniently located beneath the steam hole. And then you literally stroll out of the steam vent hole, and there's a door, and you walk, and you're in the complex. So this is not a really high-security area, is what I'm saying. But I just I love the fact that when, when we finally, finally, it is all revealed, it's Newt Gunray talking about treaties. Why? And then as you were about to point out, he steps outside, and within clear earshot of all the people <laughs> making their Make, treaties, he makes a phone begins call. yelling into his transmitter. <laughs> because yeah. apparently I found him. I found range. him. You gotta get here. Hey, here's an idea, Obi. 
how to cope with the fact that you're outside of transmit range? I don't know. Maybe get the hell off the planet? Yeah. Take Just off. a thought. Your ship goes faster than light. Maybe that would help. <laughs> Only when it's attached to that ring. Well, it doesn't at the moment because it's it doesn't have the O-ring at the moment. So. <sighs> I cut back to Coruscant briefly here for a for a discussion of the Chancellor getting emergency powers and everything. And the the, the hilarious thing about this that I didn't realize the first couple of times I saw this movie is it's it's played as if the difficult part of getting the Chancellor emergency powers is merely getting some senator to propose the to, amendment. Again, yeah. no no recognition of how actual politics might work and how you might use your influence to form coalitions and decide that this person wants this and that person wants that and use the corruption of them or right. blackmail people. Or if or Padme's Padme's role in the opposition, if Padme were to crack and swing her vote to this side, then it would finally happen. Right, and then pa- so Palpatine gets up there and he says, like, uh, again, I didn't notice this. In until this time that when he's giving his little speech the vote hasn't taken place yet jar jar has been convinced or whatever through like you know saying that he's chicken to propose the amendment and then palpatine gets up there and he says he says what his first act would be before everyone votes on it. he says if you elect me chancellor future tense my first act will be to form a grand army of the republic but if everybody's already it, cheered yeah, and cheered, cheered, like, so if was... you already agree with what he's going to do with his emergency powers, why don't you just vote to make an army of the Republic? He doesn't need emergency powers if everyone already agrees with what he's well, going to do. More to the do. point, aren't we already told that Darth Sidious is controlling a big part of the Senate, too? Yes. Like, he probably could have just found a guy. He's like, hey, you. Yeah, nominate me for emergency powers. Propose the amendment. It's got majority support. Like, But it, it doesn't make sense from the Senate's perspective. No, no. John, you don't you don't understand just how um, big a deal it is that Jar Jar Binks has, uh, has, has, has moved to vote on this amendment. It's huge. Jar Jar Binks has blood he, he on his hands. He merely proposes it. He yes. just says... And this is the irony of the prequels. Jar Jar Binks ruins everything because he's a dummy. He is the reason why the Empire comes to be. Jar Jar Binks. Or you could say Amidala's bad uh, delegation to uh, Jar Jar. I, I don't know if George Lucas has ever seen, uh, ever knows what real politics are like. <laughs> Maybe someone should make him watch House of Cards to say, like, this is how a span. Yeah, or anything. <laughs> like, take a social studies course. I'm just begging him. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, political Nonsensical. science 101 would be good. So, so Palpatine takes over, and my note there is this would be more exciting if it weren't so bureaucratic. It's literally like, I am now the supreme leader of this republic. Um, what forms do I need to fill out now? There's like scattered applause from the various assembled senators. Hey, forms, taxation. He's, he's, he's appointing the sanitation commissioner for people who donated a lot to his campaign. The dog catcher will be replaced. When I say I'm going to form a grand army, I mean, ooh, look, it's convenient. These guys already have an army that we ordered 10 years ago and totally forgot about. Yes, is anybody surprised by that when they suddenly appear after like a week? They're like, wow, you guys are good. I know these guys are good cloners. Good. Great cloners. cloners. Well, it's a big galaxy. And it's been going on for 10 years, but uh, apparently they're almost ready. Yep, no, they were they were they were more than ready. They were wondering if you were ever going to come. Also, this is the point at which I wonder if he's teetering on the brink of controlling the Senate already. What's the point of the big war between the robots and the clones that he's totally fun. orchestrated? Just That's awesome. to justify just the fun. creation of the clone army itself, right. so then he can use them as stormtroopers. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the what's supposed to be happening here is there's a great debate about whether they should form an army or not because the Jedi have been good enough, and the Jedi are saying, no, 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 we can't do this. Especially, and then extra pressure is put on the Jedi by the forming of this separatist group, and the Jedi are like, we can't look, we can't handle this. These guys are going to break away. If there's a conflict, we're not going to be able to um, to fight the war with these guys, and they've got all their droids. And so it's supposed to f- come up with this false. 
the you know false threat just it's a phantom menace again uh this it's phantomer this time and <laughs> um and and so the robot the droid army is the false threat and so he's going to have this uh clone army at the ready so that when everybody's convinced then he can bring in his clone army and when they sweep away these losers who are not very good with their clone army because newt gunray not a guy who you really have a high confidence in then he oh look i've got my big army now and then he can proceed to use them to take over the whole republic well, wait, wait 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 here's an idea skip the droids Hmm? Still build the clone army and then just take erase over. the clone planet over. from the Jedi archive. Let the Senate vote you uh, Chancellor power, supreme powers, and then just you know proceed from there. You don't even take need over. the supreme powers. Yep. Just tell your army to come in and take over. He dissolves. He dissolves well, a good the point. Senate in a New Hope anyway, and it's not yep. like it's not like his army is. Also, what was the whole point of having the dead Jedi who ordered the army in the first place? Oh, I think it was just a name that. Presumably, Sidious or Pal- or Palpatine or or yeah. someone used. Yeah, to I assume the order. I assume Christopher Lee placed the order, but used a, an assumed name. I'm just saying, like, it's not like they clearly didn't back check it. So, like, why did it matter? No, there's no credit check. They could have given him any name. <laughs> he's good for it. I'm sure the fact that the guy's name is Cipher didn't set off any alarm bells or anything. <laughs> he's, he's good for it. He's good for it. Jedi, Jedi, play master made up Jedi. Yeah, you know, master <laughs> made up Jedi. He's great. Lannisters pay their debts. Jedi's pay their bills. Oh, he was he was a real Jedi. They just used the, the name of a dead Jedi, right? That's yeah. That well, yeah. I just that. didn't think there was a reason to do that. Jedi Master, what's your name? Um, uh, strong guy. That's my name. Strong guy. Is that a first name or a last name? <laughs> yes. Large, huge. That's it. Exactly. Okay, everybody, step back. It's time for me to blow the spoiler horn. No, these aren't spoilers for episode two. Instead, the spoiler horn, you may not know this, the spoiler horn, before it became the spoiler horn, was just a humble foghorn. And I want to tell you about another foghorn. This one is a short fiction magazine for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. It's our sponsor. It's the Foghorn Magazine. This is near and dear to my heart. When I... uh, uh, was in college. I started an internet short fiction magazine called Intertext in 1991, and uh, everything was free, and I couldn't pay my writers. And here's the the thing about today is, finally, we've got ways for people who want to read great stuff and people who want to write great stuff to come together, and the writers get paid, which is really awesome. So let me explain to you what the Foghorn Magazine is. Four stories a month, 12 issues a year from exciting Hollywood writers, as well as new voices, people who are really interesting but you haven't heard of yet. The people at the Foghorn Magazine believe two things. They believe that today's readers want curated, consumable stories that don't stack up on the coffee table, that don't sit there in your queue, but that you are going to be reading them on the go. And they also believe, importantly, that writers should get paid for great writing. So here's what the Foghorn does. You spend... $3.99 $3.99 a month, $1 per story, four stories per issue, and you get these great curated short stories to devour on the subway, on the bus, in bed, or anywhere in between. One story a week for the whole year at the cost of a dollar a story. Seems like a pretty good deal. And what that subscription cost does is helps the Foghorn pay $1,000 for each published story, puts money in the pocket of some awesome new writers, and lets them donate 5% of their net revenue to 826LA, which is a nonprofit dedicated to supporting students with their creative and expository writing skills and to helping teachers inspire their students to write. 
So download their free app, get a free seven-day trial. You can download their issue and read it before your train arrives. Quality short fiction delivered right to your device. Visit thefoghornmagazine.com. That's thefoghornmagazine.com to download and subscribe today. Really exciting. And thanks to The Foghorn for sponsoring The Incomparable. Spoiler horn, take us out! Okay, Geonosis. Let's get through this. Padme and Anakin land in the conveniently spaceship-sized steam vents, and they aren't burned, and they have direct access into the factory where they make droids, and that leads us to a series of set pieces that cap this movie off, starting it's with the crazy... It's belt time, baby. Well, wait, wait, what about what about Obi-Wan and, and yeah. trapped in the blue light? I, I have strong objections to that, to the scene where Obi-Wan <laughs> is trapped in the blue light. <laughs> Yeah, because that's another echo of a previous scene. We're skipping the uh, scene where he leaves a voicemail message and gets shot halfway. <laughs> Sorry. You're right. No, not you're, the droids. You're right. Again, I love Obi-Wan's phone calls, because first there's the one in the rain, <laughs> so and then desperate. there's the one where he's like, ah, I gotta go! And then he's, he's the only Jedi they have. They're just sending him like left and right like all over the place, while well, the rest of them are kicked back at the Jedi Temple, being like, oh, that no. Obi-Wan no, he's in the, the rain, getting he's shot He's the Jedi at. Carmen Sandiego, basically. Well, I want to complain about Obi-Wan being in the prison suspension beam, and this is mostly on behalf of my girlfriend, who feels that Christopher Lee... When he has Ewan McGregor trapped and suspended in a prison, should have cooler stuff around to keep him trapped, suspended, like maybe <laughs> manacles or something. Right. I like that he rotates, but like randomly, so Christopher Lee has to keep, <laughs> walking, to keep walking, and we around. get these really weird camera angles of like, it's the back of Ewan McGregor's head. Like, why is there not just a, like, why can't they just keep him stationary? And they have a dialogue there trying to be the Empire callback, like Dooku, but but it's it's delivered in such a toothless kind of pale shadow of the scenes that it references, where it's like, you must join, this is actual dialogue, you must join me. I will never join you, Dooku. Okay, well, that's straightforward then. And then he leaves the room. Good to know. I will never join you, Saru, Ma- <coughs> Dooku. It, it, c- compare it to, like, you know, Luke screaming with his hand cut off, just finding out that this guy was his father, where they're just like, you should join me. No, no thanks. All right, scene. Scene over. I've also been instructed to ask, why couldn't Obi-Wan maybe be shirtless in this scene? Mm. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, at least Christopher Lee, you know, has some gravitas in a delivery, even if it's terrible dialogue and if even, even if it's not his most inspired performance. I'm like, oh, good. There's an adult on the scene yeah, here. Yeah, Thank God. But then they had to say his name. I think I think Christopher Lee comes off OK. Christopher Lee could do better than this scene in his sleep, though. He's tortured. Yeah, people well, I, for I think years. he did. <laughs> yeah. Th- this um, I also thought it was strange. Just just let's have him offer. Oh, I'm an en- enemy of the Sith. They're bad. Uh, join me and. We're gonna work with New Gunray here. It's like, it's like it, this is a is this a double bluff? Is this a triple bluff? Just, he's bluffing himself. I'm so Lee confused. actually fell asleep halfway through the scene and started doing lines from Fellowship of the Ring and just no one noticed. I, I'm I'm anticipating he would be cast in Fellowship of the Ring. The um so that's really confusing. When Anakin decides to go with Padme, like they convince him to break the rules or whatever, Anakin says to her. Don't worry, I've given up trying to argue with you. Oh, did you? Yep. When did that happen? Because I didn't see any of the sparring that you yeah. are now trying to reference retroactively. <laughs> no. That must have been a different movie where you had this relationship where you've given up trying to argue. Because it seems like there was none of that in the movie, and you never said anything. It was in between all the other scenes. No, there's this brief, once they've decided to stop playing the will-they-won't-they they creepy game, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're on a ship together, ever. we're sort of together, we maybe have slept together, and we're sort of bantering. I'm like... Okay, this section right here on the ship, this movie I might want to see. 
The rest of the movie, not so much. Well, you had that had to be interrupted because they did have to have a Mario level as uh, a yeah. When Anakin, <laughs> when Anakin and Amidala land on the planet, Anakin says, "Not again." Obi-Wan's gonna kill me. He loses his lightsaber. And I had actually written that down as being probably the only decent line <laughs> reading that Anakin gets Yeah, off actually, that is film. one of his... Yeah, that, that may be his only one. I don't mind the line reading, but it's just so elbow pokey to me. Get it? Obi-Wan's gonna kill him. Oh, that's the elbow pokey line. Huh? See? Well, I mean, that's, that's eh. Obi-Wan earlier saying, <laughs> you'll be the death of me. Like, right. that one is way worse. <laughs> I do not like this plan. Yes. I, I have a bad feeling about this. I'm sorry, Master. I forgot you didn't like flying. This is the worst I have a bad feeling about this, by oh. the way. I do like the, we came to rescue you, and I, I did like Ewan McGregor's, good job. Yeah, that's Yes, <laughs> but, love that bit. That may be the only funny line. <laughs> in, the, in the Mario level, you have a 3PO who gives a series of lines, oh. unbroken by any oh, lines man. from any other character, and I, I have a bunch of them written down here, but I'm just listening to them. I, all I could think in my head was, Keep trying, scriptwriter. Just, just one of these is going to land. He says, he says, in sequence, and I wrote all them down, I'm scrap. It's a nightmare. I want to go home. What did I do to deserve this? Maybe pick one. Maybe yeah. pick one of those you think is the best, the best line that 3PO could say. All of them are pretty crappy. They're not delivered very well. They're all well. portal outtakes. I'm so confused. Anthony Daniels has to eat, okay? He doesn't play yeah. anybody else, the, ever. The dialogue I liked around here was when they're chained to the pillars... And maybe they'll An- die. Maybe they'll die. <laughs> Anakin says to Obi-Wan, what about Padme? Who's in the background climbing up her pillar. And Obi-Wan just says, yeah, she seems fine. No, she's on, she she's seems on top, top of the thing. Everything has to be yeah. some terrible verbal, you know. Patented Lucas humor. I still like the spirit of her not sitting around and waiting. Let's back up. We got the f- crazy fa- stamping uh, f- conveyor belt factory scene. Um, there. Let's back up. This is, uh, we get flying R2-D2 here. Action scene with C-3PO. Everybody desperately <sighs> wants that. Wacky droid factory head swap shenanigans. Oh, dear. Which led, I'm so led me confused. To, let me to um, some serious existential questions about how C-3PO's consciousness works. Yeah. And, and is, he, is, his, is it in <laughs> his body? The body is part of it. Yeah. Right? Is it in his body? Does it work together? Because neither of them, it's not like his head is going for a ride in a robot army droid army body and it's not quite like his body has completely been taken over by the droid army robot head so i i i i went down a rabbit hole there for a little while because i was trying to find something to amuse myself and wonder what what is the nature of droid consciousness and where does and what what makes a droid a droid i I have no answers well you see inside of the droid there's this thing we call the cloud spreads throughout the head and the body okay so do they dream of electric gundarks Mm. Wow. Dan, I've been dying a little bit. It's a yes or no question, people. Come on. The whole factory stamping thing, there's the, you know, no one will be seated when Padme is dropped in a crucible that's going to have hot lava put oh, in and, hot metal in it. Of the, they did the cutting of, like, the lava going into a crucible. Is it the crucible she's in? No, it's not. Nope. Lava going in the crucible. Is it the crucible she's in? Nope. No, it's not. Yeah. Not not competently done. Repeated nope. too many times. It's yes. almost kind of hard to keep track of how many crucibles between her and the lava. Like, this is basic stuff of some Whoops. silly... It yeah. went no. into the one she's in. Now she's dead. Oh, well. I, I never really thought she was going to get killed by hot lava. No, no, but then R2 does the thing which is like, oh, this drops the crucible on the ground so she, she can run away. Okay, that's good. Uh, I don't know, maybe R2 fly over and let her grab you? And lift her uh, why, can't, why can't she get out of the crucible? She's this amazing athlete and shooting guns and stuff, but you put her, you put her into a little cement thing that's a, two feet too high for her to get out of and she can't. 
But my favorite thing about this scene is that when they get to the end, it's like literally like, well, that's over. Now we'll capture you. Yep. Like there's no <laughs> there's no resolution. It's like literally, well, that was the end of the conveyor belt. I guess we'll capture well, you now. They finished that level, Jason. Yeah, they finished the level. That's right. I like that the G- the Geonosians are just standing on the other side, like yep. tapping their feet. Like they'll either right. die yep. or we'll one arrest these, them. Yep, yep. That's oh, one of those. I mean, they are on a moving sidewalk that is bringing them right to us. Yep. Time for another crappy cutscene. So that there's um. There's that, and then there's some love dialogue, which I have oh, down in my notes. So Simply, oh, here's my notes. This is I only wrote down three words in this whole th- scene, which is love dialogue barf. That's all I wrote. <laughs> oh. Title. <laughs> actually, slightly more compelling love dialogue than the ones that was actually written. I had the word gag written with lots of A's between the G's. It's a barf, gag, whatever. I truly, deeply unreasonably, irrationally, nonsensically love you. For whatever reason, I picture the I hate sand conversation in this scene when I was remembering it, and now I realize that was to block out the actual dialogue that happened. (laughs) Oh, God. You should do some line readings here. Padme says, I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since. <laughs> have you? Have you been dying a little bit each day? Because again, I didn't see that in the movie, and I don't understand why you would be dying, except maybe dying like Poison. as in your soul is being crushed Poison. by yep. this. Yep, that's it. I've I've been dying a little bit for the last yep. two hours, <laughs> and and then she has to she has to basically explain. I I truly, deeply, deeply love you. Great line. This goes back to the episode one episode that we did, right? Which is, I'm not going to show it. I'm just going to just list out all the feelings that I have. Like, I've been dying a little bit each day. Like what? What? Like I can't even believe that George could could write that. Like he didn't. He pulled this verbatim from a 1970s Olivia Newton-John song. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sweet. but when what movie does he think preceded that line? I don't understand. It just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. So here we learn that the this uh, planet of droid builders also have a penchant for gladiatorial duels. Who knew? I I, I have a note here that says um, I like Natalie Portman's white outfit in this scene. This is this is so a little costume note. This is the, this is the outfit that makes me think um, that this is uh, Princess Leia's mother. It's a very kind of this is the the good throwback to the old trilogy kind of thing the all white kind of outfit i liked i liked that so there's a nice thing i said i liked i liked it's a little a little bit tighter than leia's outfit maybe right, also yeah. well, the convenient times. midriff bearing claw midriff bearing slash. i was just going to say this I'm is this is the bit that kind of creeps me out a little bit though because i realized at this point <clears throat> the only reason the monster slashes her in the back is to reveal her, yeah, her no, belly he, area. That monster always wanted to yeah. be a fashion designer, but he was he felt stifled by his role of, of killing uh, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, captives. <laughs> and he said, I, your outfit would look so much better if just... Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. The giant claws couldn't operate a sewing machine, so what are you going to do? From, from that perspective, frankly, I'm not complaining about the about the exposed midriff, but it's just that combined with the Leia gold bikini, and suddenly I'm getting a picture of Lucas's private life that I really don't want. Yeah, that I don't really need. Okay, so so here's my other note for this, uh, which is a variety of monsters appear, which is it's I, I find this fascinating because it's like not like a Roman gladiator kind of thing where it's like and now the lions come out. It's like I know, let's bring out one of those kind and one of those kind and another one here. And and we'll put them with these other people in this arena, and we'll see what happens. It felt almost like a reality show, like this is the monster arena, the real world monster arena, or something. Where yeah. it's like five different monsters enter. What will happen? Who will die first? The first monster kills a guy on a mount right away. 
So they can't have done this very often. Well, that's like losing on Survivor on the first episode, yeah. right? Well, but but at least we knew what was going on here. The monsters are going to try to eat the people. The people are going to try and not get yeah. eaten. A and variety after, of and monsters. After, and after the love dialogue, you're like, oh, thank God my brain will have something that it can look at and not <laughs> feel like it wants to run and hide. Because oh, they yeah. fight the monsters and try not to be killed by them. And yes. But it's the value pack of monsters that struck me. It's because three of the same monster, <laughs> three of the same monster would be boring, right? So that we'll have three be, yeah. very different monster monsters. assortment. We'll have the, yes, we'll have the, the, uh, the uh, Starship Troopers monster over here. And we'll have the rideable monster yes, over right. here. It's it's the Whitman sampler of monsters. Oh, exactly. This is I wrote down that this, as, as far as video game sequences in this movie go, again, 90% of the movie, but this particular one is actually not too bad. And I think the reason is there's only three characters. We aren't bouncing back and forth between 50 different random Jedi that we haven't seen before. And you can actually focus your attention on it. The mechanics are clear where there's like the the chains and the, and and how they break the chains and swing around and stuff like that it's all like fairly clear linear mechanics of i've got to get i've got to get uh freed from my chain and then i'm going to ride on the little beast over here and i i i was never confused about what was going on it was all pretty right. straightforward but it all goes downhill once the Jedi show up, though. Yeah, this party's absolutely. over. <laughs> because suddenly suddenly you're watching 60,000 different characters again, yeah. and he never spends more than a, a millisecond on each one of them, and you just can't focus. Yeah, the whole time that these three people are fighting these three monsters, it's cool. But you have to keep in mind, just outside the stadium, there's first a big squad of Jedi on this side, then a big squad of robots over here, and <laughs> then a big squad of clones over here all waiting their turn to rush in and attack the previous group. Yeah, I don't know what the Jedi strategy was. I guess we're going to go in there and kill everyone who's not a good guy? Yeah. That, I don't know what their, <laughs> what their strategy was. Their strategy was, we're Jedi. We should just be able to walk over these like, guys. It wasn't an extraction. They weren't. They didn't have any way to extract them. They just went in there and said, we're going to do fighty times. Well, until... I think they figured they'd, they'd give up, right? It's just like, oh, the, all the Jedi are here. We quit, except they didn't realize they've got the crazy uh, droid army there. But they did know that because that's why they brought their crazy clone army. Well, the back Jedi up. are diminished, Monty. They're diminished. Mm. This is how they're. You see how they're, they're out diminished? of balance. Well, well, it was another opportunity for th- for three PO to spout more lines like, "This is such a drag," and I'm quite beside myself. Oh God, yes. Like, oh. No, I've written down bad three PO puns. Drag. Although, to be honest, three PO has been doing bad puns for a long time. I know, but you got to pick the one or two winners. You can't just say everything that comes into your mind and write it down in the script yeah. and then make him say them one after the. They're not even broken up by things. I lost my head. What a drag. Don't make yeah, me no. root for C-3PO to die, which is what was happening. <laughs> I think this is a strong, strong contender for the worst bit of patented Lucas so-called humor there has ever been. This is such a drag. Is, is that was I, sublimely I love pun, bad. I love puns, and I booed that one. I don't know that it's worse than Howard the Duck. The um, By the way, I, I didn't write down a lot of dialogue here, but I wrote down, you call this a diplomatic solution. Oh, my God. Because that, that is the back and forth male-female, like, we're in love, but we're in this action movie, and we've got a dynamic, and here's, here's what we're going to say. And it just, they, they can't pull it off, whether it's the characters or the actors or the director or whatever, but it's like, we're trying to do snappy dialogue. And it's just like, this is where I'm just so angry at the movie that I'm like, no, no, you did it wrong. They have the incredible nerve to try to make a callback to an earlier so they, the, the aggressive negotiations thing, yeah. a callback to their to the pair floating scene or whatever. Like it's like some nerve. You're gonna call back to that. We hated that. It's scene. like if they called back later to the what a drag joke. <laughs> like you you can't make callbacks to scenes that we all hated that didn't work. 
Like it's just it's just incredible. The, the I mean, you can he's gonna... clearly they don't have self consciousness in that way. But in Lucas's mind, we would be loving that line. That's the most yep. disturbing Remember? thing. Remember, because can... earlier with the aggressive, yeah, laugh. You can yeah. imagine him giggling over it as he scrawls it on a napkin over his uh, seventh donut of the hour. <laughs> the, the part where I almost just directly started in, like saying mean things to George Lucas in my notes is when Yoda shows up with with the people, and he makes Yoda. He makes Yoda, who like I try not to associate this Yoda with like the real Yoda, but he <laughs> makes Yoda say around, around the survivors, survivors of perimeter creates. <laughs> Like no, come on! No. Why are you? What are you doing to me, George? Then he drops it. Yoda speaks perfect English for like the last ten minutes of this movie because even he is just like <laughs> to the forward command center. Take me. Both of those lines should never come out of Yoda. Like I get, no, but there's I, like I plenty other ones the... where it's like, guys, let's just go, and it's totally perfect. Like I happen to have turned on the subtitles because I didn't realize my version didn't have subtitles, and so I've got like I'm reading all the dialogue. I'm like, wait, he is speaking in perfectly logical, correctly constructed sentences right now. Why now? Why for only these, like, eight lines of dialogue? Do they just get tired and they're like, oh, man, the macro I wrote to reverse verbs and nouns broke. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. If you go back and watch episode four, just the scene where Leia is sprung from her prison cell, everything they say is shouted and is amazingly funny and quippy. And none of it reads as terribly as every line in all of the prequels. Okay, sponsor break time. This is for you, though. You personally, I'm talking to you, listener, one member of the fantastic, incomparable listening audience, a very intelligent and attractive group of people, if I do say so myself. Um, And a lot of people out there are very technical people. You may be a web developer or have a mobile app, and you need to know about New Relic. New Relic is a developer's best friend because it's got easy-to-use analytics that give developers powerful code-level visibility into the real-time performance of their applications. You can notice bugs, see the bottlenecks, and fix problems fast before you ever get complaints from your users, before your users even notice. Thanks to New Relic, you don't have to ship an app to production and then wait around hoping for the best until you get some awful app reviews and uh, really mean tweets that start to pour in. You can watch it as your users are using it and fix problems in real time. Works in a very straightforward way. New Relic gives developers this lightweight agent that you unpackage into your production apps. It sits there quietly and securely in the background. It gathers real-time metrics across geography, devices, platforms, all the way down to the end user level, and then displays all that data in real-time graphs so that you have total visibility into the performance of your web or mobile apps. So go check out New Relic. There was some tech talk this time. Did you like that tech talk? That was very techy. Go check out New Relic. Visit NewRelic.com slash incomparable to learn more and use the offer code incomparable. Take advantage of a special 30-day extended free pro trial available exclusively to all the listeners of the incomparable. Those are those handsome and beautiful intelligent people I was talking about earlier, like you. Build better performing apps, get deeper insights, spot bottlenecks quickly, and fix them and improve performance with New Relic. And thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the incomparable. Boba, your dad's head is in that uh, that helmet. Don't pick it up. No, the head flies out. The oh, does the head fly out? out. Yeah. There's a t- there's a small dark blur. Well, that's awful. 
I kind of like uh, Mace, Mace Windu uh, killing Django by just running up to him and cutting off his head. Because, again, like, Jedi's are supposed to be competent. And they spend yes. this whole movie not being competent. So finally we get to see Mace Windu fighting someone. And he gets the upper hand. He just runs right at him and cuts his head off. Yeah, I, I gave a thumbs up to that scene. If they did more of that, would have would have made me think that the Jedi were actually a useful thing to have in the galaxy. Instead of just people with light-up sticks that this don't make This movie would have been two hours shorter. Mm-hmm. Just cut off their heads. Down from 17. Hey, new gun ray. Psh, broom, gone. <laughs> Next. If they'd done that one movie ago. And unlike Anakin, like we don't get a, a, a reasonable origin story for Darth Vader. I think Fett's origin story, Boba Fett's origin story, is reasonable. Raised by a bounty hunter. The Jedi killed the bounty hunter. He's going to grow up hating the Jedi and going to want to be a bounty hunter like his dad. That's yeah, it's going to be great. Everything except for the army of clones based on him. He would have grown up to be a bounty hunter anyway. It doesn't matter if the Jedi killed his father. Well, no, but he really dislikes the Jedi. It's in his genes. So then for all those Star Trek fans out there, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, attack those Federation starships quickly. I thought that was great. Finally, a Star Wars, Star Trek head-on war. Just what we've been waiting for. Yeah, except the Federation is run by Newt Gunray, who is terrible. But not unlike a Star Trek character. The J.J. Abrams universe, also run by Newt Gunray. I I think in this scene in the movie, we also catch a glimpse of uh, Dooku's Jedi Rascal Scooter, which I think is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I was yelling at Ren the whole time. I was like, why has he got the scooter? More importantly, why did he park his ship all the way across the desert from the place where he had his scooter? Deniability. Worst garage ever. It's such a dorky looking scooter, though. Like, it doesn't look impressive. He looks, I'm embarrassed for him when he's on He looks like he's on a big wheel. It's a, it's a rascal. That's what it Lucas is. Lucas had made a bet with somebody at this point that he couldn't come up with a lamer mode of transport than Darth Maul's <laughs> bike from the first first episode. I thought you were going to say he made a bet like, I can get Christopher Lee to ride on that. It's basically, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think you can do that. 20 bucks says you can't get Chris on that. One of the rules of science fiction is that you always park as far away from wherever you're going as you can so you can see landscape. That's why in Futurama they always land someplace, and then have to walk 10 miles to deliver their thing. So this is the scene, and I kind of want to blow through this scene unless you guys have a lot to say about it, because I don't think it's that interesting. This is huge armies at war. It's hard to understand the scale. It reminded me a little bit of some of the large fight scenes in Lord of the Rings, except the scale is even larger than that uh, here. You don't care about any of the and people I, fighting. Exactly, and there's no real stakes, other than the, that like Amidala falls off the, the helicopter and is in the sand for a while. But fine. It's just not... It's just not interesting. Oh, Anakin does yell at Obi-Wan that one scene, like, I want to jump off the ship because she fell to, off the to ship. To get my girlfriend. He says, no, don't get your girlfriend. She, I mean, she's fine. She fell on sand. Well, I mean, but he gets super angry. He's like, I'm going to expel you. Like, that's the, he has to, like, go all the way to the, like, what would she do? She would do her duty. <laughs> I'm going to send you I wish I could do Jedi. my duty. <laughs> my face would look a lot different. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it is like one of those video game scenes where you're like, oh, wow, here's the big uh, battle we're going to fight. It's like, no, no, no. In this level, you just pilot the helicopter across the battle to the yeah. next get, scene. Get out of the helicopter. <laughs> the clones who drove you there blow up, but don't feel bad. Immediately are, are, are dead for <laughs> no reason. There's not. Yeah, there was really the script killed them again. Yes, they had to die. And uh, and so then then we get our big confrontation between Dooku, who has dark side lightning, which is nice. That's a nice feature. <laughs> My iPhone has dark side lightning. And Christopher Lee does, does a lot of evil stuff here, which I really like. Well, Anakin rushes in because he doesn't pay attention because he's a terrible student and yep. a terrible person. Heroic. He gets zapped. And gets beat up. And uh, gets his arm cut off. Bummer, man. Yeah. 
And then Obi-Wan gets beat up too. Now, it, this my only real complaint with the scene, I thought I would hate the scene more seeing it again, like with the Yoda jumping around like a little frog with the lightsaber and everything. But my only complaint is the same one I originally had, which is the culmination of the scene when Dooku tries to topple a giant stone pillar on top of the two other Jedi so he can make his escape. And Yoda's solution is to move the pillar rather move than the moving pillar the guys. Instead of, instead of the 200-pound people. He, he, well, not only I that, mean, but if you're going to pick up the pillar or whatever, and let's point out that you lifted a starship which uh, in uh, Empire, which is probably a lot heavier, like... Couldn't you at least take the time to like slam it into his ship so he doesn't get away? Right. Yeah, Yoda. Yoda doesn't come off looking like a very wise or like we expect him to move things with the Force because that's Yoda's big thing, and we don't expect him to pull out the lightsaber. And I totally understand they wanted to do that, and I don't think it works that great. But if you're going to make Yoda a Jedi, it kind of makes sense that he would have to have yeah. lightsaber. No, but... that was that was it was. I thought it was fun to have that moment, and of and yeah, it goes on. He jumps around a lot more than seems necessary, and he's kind of the big green blur a little bit more. But I love the idea that's like yeah yoda knows how to use a lightsaber I too i didn't hate it as much as i hated it the first time i saw it because i you know the first time i saw it it was very much a no the whole point of yoda is that he is such a good jedi he doesn't need to resort to a lightsaber right uh, i i still believe that but i again i've dis- disassociated this yoda yes. with the actual yoda I, i'm with you i liked it the first time but i hated it this time because it's such a bad sword fight well it's not even a sword fight it's like a a, a I, I, not to say it's a video game level again, but it's like in the middle of the sword fight, Yoda does some jumping. Because well, they have, they have a lot of trouble with Chris Parker because he's old enough that he requires a stunt double for most of the scene. Yeah. And so what's interesting is you get this mix of scenes where it's like from a medium shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right it, right, it looks okay. And then you get these really weird close-up shots of Ewan McGregor and Christopher Lee where it's like, I can't actually tell if you're even in the same scene yeah. right now. It's just so dissociated from their actual bodies. And then it's back out to the wide shot. And it's like, all right, now they're fighting. And that's not bad choreography. And then back into the super close shot. It's like, now you're just looking at each other angrily and waving lightsabers around. I don't really know what's happening. Samuel L. Jackson had the same problem. Because I think he was a little bit too out of shape for the role they wanted him to have. But they didn't replace him with a stunt person. So a lot of the times they have Samuel L. Jackson waving his lightsaber around. And he looks a little bit like, you know, your dad waving a lightsaber around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when Yoda's in the fight, I think it is bad choreography. It's not clear what either of them are trying to do. I mean, there's a the size mismatches. How do how do you make good choreography between someone's like two feet tall and well, like six it, foot? If he could do Lee? double forward flips that fast, he should be carving Christopher Lee up. But instead, he just flips up to eye level and attacks right where. Christopher Lee or his stunt double yeah, can just block. Slice him in the ankles and you're done. <laughs> really hard to fight with no ankles is all I'm saying. <laughs> Put your ankles in. Do it. the thing that uh, do the thing that Obi Wan did to Darth Maul at the end of the first film. Shoot up from below and slice him in half. It worked once. Yeah. I also like that. Um, I do kind of like the injury. Like he stabs Dooku stabs Obi Wan and just makes like a hole through his leg. And I'm actually like, well, that's probably pretty devastating because you just like cord the right through their muscle there. That's probably important. <laughs> can't move and all of that but you're john john's right that there's the big pillar that yoda makes a bad decision which allows dooku to fly off back to uh back to coruscant and and uh thus and, making uh, the big uh the big epic sword fight that culminates the film utterly unnecessary and <laughs> meaningless well at least he didn't kill him though because the, like the, the big fear is they do with the darth maul thing where there's a guy that's sort of in the movie kind of leading up to an end fight and then he goes away like dooku was in this movie kind of talks about political stuff makes one makes one talk yeah. one speech to obi-wan to say join me obi-wan says no and then if, if dooku had died there that would be i think it would be worse of course we know what happens in the third movie he might as well have just died there because it's 
pointless. But. And we get this weird scene, like the Jason was talking about earlier, where is it a double bluff? No, I hate the Sith. Wait, let me go report to my Sith master. <laughs> like, who right. are you fooling? What, who are what, you fooling right now? You're just you're trolling me now. That's what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> just, just, just for kicks, for kicks. Okay, so then the imp- then the uh, ships take off. Um, with the clone troopers and all that, and we get the Darth Vader theme at the end, the Empire theme, and and the ships look like the Empire ships, and it's like, oh, aha, my plan has been revealed. The Empire is on the march. Oh my God, you guys, I think I see what is happening I here. I think I get yeah. The Republic is turning into the Empire. Subtle. Yeah. <laughs> I totally subtle. didn't think that would happen, but it George is. George Lucas's dictionary actually is missing the entry for subtle. <laughs> It's it's weird. Cut to Naboo, where a marriage is being held. <laughs> because everybody saw that coming. How can you have children if you're not married? Well, it was the next logical step in the relationship was a scene where they get married. The script said, now that you are have consummated your love, you must be married. Yes, I have three notes for the wedding uh, after like none for the last the previous 15 minutes. Because <laughs> you woke up. Relief was washing over me at this point. Uh, first of all, one thing you can say for the Empire, in a very short time, they made huge advancements in hand replacement technology. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that creepy-ass thing that he's got under his he's robe He's got a Terminator there, so. hand Ooh. there. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I thought that was like just a temp, like it's a temporary yeah, hand they'll while put they the, work on your real the little yeah, jacket why, why, on it later. He got it all blinged out, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it is gold. a little goldenish. It's it? very gold and shiny. That's nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, also, I, th- I found it odd that for her wedding day, Padme chose to wear her one subdued outfit. <laughs> well, that's how she flies. It was yeah. a quiet that's ceremony, she, just yep. the two of them. And I was the shocked droids. to see that she even had such an outfit, but mm. there it was for my wedding. It was you a tablecloth. <laughs> and lastly, uh, the utterly inept marital kissing at the end <laughs> is the perfect cherry on top yeah. of the six scoop Sunday of awkward that is this film. My last note from that scene and my last note from the entire movie, because this is the last scene of the movie, is their love Their love feels neither true nor tragic. At this point, we're supposed to have that moment of like, ah, yes, they're finally in love, the culmination, or the, oh, but we know this is going to go horribly wrong. And instead, it's like, oh, they got married? Okay. I found myself wondering what? if it's a legitimate marriage if your only witnesses are two droids. I mean, R2D <laughs> can't even sign a marriage license. <laughs> yes, but I mean, you don't know that. Maybe he has a pen arm. He can project holograms of the marriage. That's better than signing something. 3PO is a, a certified notary as one of his many talents that he yeah, has he in addition like to all his protocol. It's it's part of the protocol droid suite of uh, standard package. Standard package. It's a lot like programming moisture evaporators. It's true. He is his own um, notary stamp, in fact. And if there's anything a protocol droid was made for, it's that. It's notarizing a wedding. It's yeah. protocol. Wasn't there someone overseeing the ceremony? It was just the two of them, the droids. No, there's there some like dude in a row there. Yeah, there's yeah. an officiant. There's an officiant. Sure, an officiant but... who is who is going to keep his mouth shut, apparently, because this is a secret wedding. Well, and... Anakin's going to just murder him afterwards. <laughs> you would think the paparazzi would be there, like taking pictures of the senator getting married, but Thank, no. Thanks, thanks, Reverend. No, it was in a quiet, <laughs> in a quiet, far off in the lake country ceremony with the Naboo rabbi who is going to just keep it quiet. Nabu Rabbi. Nabu Rabbi. Try saying that. I'm proud of that. That's playing after the rural juror. It is. Nabu Rabbi was my favorite of the uh, Phoenician kings. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know what my favorite part of this scene was? It was the the movie is over. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
It never has that John Williams fanfare kicking in really uh, gotten me quite so excited. Oh, yeah, it's a sweet, sweet relief. Uh, uh, two notes into that, I turned the TV off. Again, this was three, three sessions. My least favorite is that there is a movie after this yeah, that we yeah. still have to watch. Shh. I remember the third movie as being better than these other two. It's the good one. Oh, no, don't, no. It's not the good one. Don't Whoever sweat it. It's the good one. to me. It's no. not the good one. <laughs> the worst no it's totally dark it's awesome it's like empire it's got a robot with four arms <laughs> four and arms better Wookies. than two again i thought i thought uh, what's his name grievous i thought grievous was in this movie because of yeah. the sort of sameness of the geonosis i'm yes. like and the robots and, and the speak and spell techno union guy i'm like when does grievous show up this movie's almost over isn't it nope he's in the next movie never mind yeah, yeah. you're excited that dooku lives through this one but he's isn't he dispatched like in the first 10 that's minutes? what i was saying i'm not excited i'm just saying like they with the first movie they had a villain that might have been interesting in some way and killed him immediately in this movie yeah. they had a similar arc for a similar villain and they might as well have just killed him at the end they you know yeah. when i came out of this movie i didn't know he was going to die in his first scene in the, in the next movie i thought maybe you could have an actual arc with the villain because palpatine is the crappy villain in terms of on screen yep. time all he ever does is send threatening holograms and <laughs> act fake nice to, to senators for no reason you don't need a reason to act nice to people you monster fake nice forget it john yeah. it's dooku town it's it's coruscant yeah, especially with his fake recalcitrance. Oh, I don't. I love the Republic. I don't want to have emergency powers. No, please don't give me powers. Yeah, I'm. In fact, I don't need them because they're nonsensical, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with them, so you could just vote for that instead. I could it's... shoot you right here. Not a court in this land would convict me. With, with Palpatine, it's all style points. He's just like, look, I could have just taken this over by force, but no, I'm going to have an elaborate plan that involves armies Aided. that destroy yeah. each other, and just because I can. Look, there's only two Sith. Well, there's a degree of difficulty among the Sith. That, the Sith uh, get bored, right? They've been around for thousands of years. Yeah. They're like, all right, how am I going to keep myself in invested now? Well, what have we learned? <laughs> Nothing. I don't need to watch a movie just because you tell me to. It's good, good money. <laughs> right, so here, here's the question for the panel: Is this movie worse than the Phantom Menace? Yes, I, yes, an emphatic yes. yes. I think it is. And the reason is the Phantom Menace is crap, but as the Machete Order guy observed, it's largely self-contained crap. It has precisely zero bearing on anything that comes afterwards. So it's a lot easier to pretend that it's not really part of Star Wars. I could talk myself into liking Phantom Menace. I got nothing on this movie. We didn't even mention the uh, the the Death Star cameo. Yes, Death Star cameo. Like literally, it's literally yeah. a cameo that you open up and it projects a picture. Of the Did Death you bring Star. the super secret plans? I got to make sure these are the right super secret plans. So just yep. a second here. Let me project those. Yep. Yeah. Death Star. Yeah, so the, so the plan is ball with a dimple. Got it. Got it. <laughs> This is a new sort of golf ball. That's a good plan. I like that plan. Yeah. Can't you send these via interstellar hologram mail? That would be way too dangerous. They could commit the marriage. No, so it, do people think this is worse than the Phantom yes. Menace? We get Monty I think this says, is worse. says it is worse. Steve says I think it's worse. worse. Absolutely worse. So much worse. Oh. So my when watching these originally, I felt like this was better. And now I'm not so sure. Um <laughs> I, I think, you know. I don't know. Episode one is really bad. I know we we watched episode two more recently, but I think episode one is really really bad. And this is, it's a question: is something is something that's really bad worse than something that's incredibly boring? Yeah. I, I, Would you rather watch the pod race or an equivalent no. stretch from this movie? Any stretch. 
I can't remember this movie. Oh, see, I think this one has worse. Like the love dialogue is an extra <laughs> kind of like yeah poop poop cherry on top that is just it's <laughs> so incredibly awful. But I don't know. Like if you take out the love dialogue. There are some action scenes in this movie. Like again, when I when I got sweet relief from having to experience this movie, I got to see a little action scene. Like I, Phantom Menace offended me more, and maybe it's the Jar Jar angle, and maybe it's that Anakin, uh, you know, the actor that plays him. Like I didn't agree with the way Anakin was played here. I thought it was stupid, but at least it was competently whiny as opposed to Jake Lloyd. I, 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 did, I thought that Episode Two was worse, but now having seen both of them in recent memory, I, I got to give the edge to Episode One. Because episode two is just super boring, and the boring I find more forgivable than the awfulness. Yeah, see, I think the boring is what to make Star Wars boring to me is almost a bigger. I think it may be a bigger crime than making it bad. I'm like, all right, I read bad. I mean, I mean they're bo- they're both awful. They're both awful. I just can't decide what's, sure, what's sure. worse. Sure, sure. I read bad Star Wars books, right? Like, but like to make it like make me so like I can't even pay attention. And maybe it's because it, it it leaves my mind after watching it, you know. I watched this two hours ago. I can't remember what the plot was. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's why I don't think of it as worse because it does leave my mind completely. Because it's like yeah. it's like it dissolves on your tongue. It just, it goes away, and then it's you forget <laughs> that you had to. Like when you're in it, it's terrible, and you're like, "Oh God, please make this stop! Please make it stop!" But then it just goes away. Whereas the Phantom Menace. So the poop cherry dissolves on your tongue is what you're saying. But by the way, we've been know. calling it, him Anakin. <laughs> we've been calling him Anakin consistently, but the movie almost always calls him Annie, which has to be one of the worst uh, decisions. They go oh, back and terrible. forth on that, but yeah, I agree. That that I think we t- mentioned that in, in the uh, Phantom Menace one, too. It's but after terrible, Shmi terrible. dies, he's little orphan Annie. Shmi and Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make it. <laughs> Sandy. Sandy. Oh. It's, it's so, but I, I, I agree. Whether, whether you choose bad or boring, I feel like that's kind of the choice. Because I, I think back to some of the Gungan stuff and all the stuff with the Trade Federation. And I think there's so much in episode one that I really despise that it's just like I don't ever want to see it again. And this movie, you know, it was like wall, it was like wallpaper. It was inoffensive in parts. The dialogue was really bad. With the sound off, it was less bad. And, you know, some of the action stuff is okay, but it's boring and kind of and just not. It's just kind of there. So I think I think you I think you have adults doing things like again, if you watch with the sound off, an adult jumps out of a window and grabs a droid, and there's a very badly done car chase and there's some shooting, and it's just like at least there's people doing things somewhere. And Phantom Menace, there's just like that. There's nothing going on. I'll put just, it this way: Phantom Menace is worse, but I resent Episode Two more huh. just because huh. Episode One came out and it was like, oh man, this is really bad. Well. Maybe maybe you got another shot, right? And the episode two was like, no, I was not paying attention. Getting back to the timeline thing, after I when I went into episode two, I thought, you know, I had I had high hopes. When I came out of it, I was broken. I'm like, well, that's it that's for the it. prequels. That's it. That's so, it. Yeah, because I agree. like because the, the title of Star Wars Episode Three is we'll know when we do this. My title for Star Wars Episode Three was Star Wars hyphen Episode Three colon Let's Get This Over With. Well, I, for me, it was the fact that looking going forward to episode three, it was the point where I was just thinking like there's all the people who kept saying like, no, no, this one's going to be good. Like I finally saw the delusion in it. Yeah, no, that was it. it was, it's two two out of three. And like people like telling themselves it was going to be good. I'm like, I cannot, I can't, you cannot get me again. You have yep. fooled me twice. Nope. You cannot get me a third time. Totally broken. Like there is no chance it's going to be good. I was convinced, and it was just like even if it is two out of three, it's fair. The pre- I wrote them off because I said you you didn't. That's it. It's over. Speaking as somebody who didn't care either way, because I'm not that invested in the original uh, series, 
two is so much worse because <laughs> I will take I will take bad, which at least can be entertaining in a bad sort of way, over I can't even watch this movie. I, I literally find this movie unwatchable. And it's never more boring than in the action sequences, ironically enough. I mean, the the uh, all of the dialogue, true, in the love scenes is truly horrible, but at least I can point and laugh. And these action sequences that are just crap flying by one after the other, and there's just nothing to hold my interest, I can't even watch. I literally cannot watch. I have to. I, I was sitting there watching these theoretically exciting scenes, and I was thinking... God, I gotta fix that hole downstairs in the wall. I gotta pick up some spackle. And, oh crap! I'm supposed to be watching this for a podcast. I gotta get back to it. It's unwatchable. It, it was. I mean, I guess it's true that it was harder for me to get through this. Again, I watched Phantom Menace in one sitting, and this one took three. So maybe I. I it's a tough call. I may, I'm, you're starting to win me over. That I don't know. It's just. It's all just so painful. I come from the opposite side from Steve. As a child, I cared very much about Star Wars. I had Star Wars sheets. And I liked Star Wars enough that when the first prequel movie came in, I committed to it and talked myself into it and watched it over and over until I Stockholm syndromed myself into accepting it. I couldn't do that with episode two. <laughs> Sad. Nothing to get hold of. It, it broke us. It broke. It broke everybody. It was it. it <laughs> we're you, you broken. Could, maybe we're if you were strong enough to make it through now. episode one, yes, we were just we were resigned to our fate. We understood that this, these prequels were never going to be good. They were never getting any better. George Lucas was bad. We should feel bad. Serenity, uh, what is your thought about episode one versus episode two? I don't think we heard from you. No, you didn't. Um, that's it. That's probably because, yeah, I, I have very little the winners to say here. about episode one and episode two other than I feel like I was more like some of our other panelists I was more disappointed in episode two than episode one and I was younger when I saw episode one than episode two so I feel like I can excuse um, some of episode one's failings on oh I saw it when I was younger and I didn't completely hate it I only partially hated but this one this one is kind of this one actually frustrates me more because there are the glimmers of a good movie in what is irrevocably a, a horrible mm. horrible film and to see the little bits where I'm like yes I want to see that alternative universe movie I really want this to be what Star Wars prequels look like and then have that not happen just as soul crushing fool me twice shame yep. on me fool me three times we're doing another podcast <laughs> yeah <sighs> yeah well, don't mention that yet because I think it would be not good no. for our mental health. We'll, we'll, we, need, we need a break to regain our strength. We do. We, we, need to, we need to regain our strength. I will go to the desert. No, I hate sand. I do have to ask, did, did any of you who watched uh, Phantom Menace in the theaters seven or eight times watch this more than once in the theaters? Hell, hell no. no. I think no. I saw it once. So you did learn something in the internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I must have watched it a second time when it came out on DVD because yeah, yeah. I've seen it more than once. Episode three, although I claim I liked it more, I only ever watched the once in the theater and that's I've it. Only seen, I've only seen episode three once. I've seen episode two probably three or four times because I watched it, then I watched it on DVD. And like I said, I, I like the Camino stuff more than I did this last time. And then I watched it with my kids because they they did have seen that. They haven't seen episode three either. So I played the Lego game several times. Yeah. Like the Lego yeah, game. I think Much I feel better. like I've seen more of episode two in the Lego games than mm-hmm. I have. I, I think I've watched episode two maybe three or four times. It's like knowing a movie from the Mad Magazine parody. <laughs> I saw episode one half a dozen times, including like three or four times in the theater. I saw episode two and three once each in the theater. So like John said, broken. Yeah, I've seen them both thrice, and uh, I think that's enough. 
Yeah, I agree. I think we've done our job. And so I am going to call an end to this very long, um, very long podcast about episode two. We've once again gone longer than the movie, but you know. And that's hard to believe because this is one long, long Man, it felt But let me tell you, we, um, we are also more entertaining than the movie. Hey, I said it. Also hard to believe. I know. And yet. There it is. All right. So I'm going to thank my guests for spending all this time talking about a movie they never, ever, ever have to see again. And those people are Serenity Caldwell. Thank you very much. Thank you. You survived. I did. I did somehow. Good for you. Good for us. Dan Morin, are you still out there? I'm just barely okay. still alive. Good. Thank you for being here. It's. I wish I could say it was a pleasure, Jason. <laughs> wish I could say that. I know. I know you do. Monty Ashley, thank you very much for being here. Did I mention this one boing sound effect that when Watto is on screen? Because that really made me angry. Do you call this a diplomatic solution, Monty? I do not. It's aggressive diplomacy. Steve Lutz, love dialogue barf. How are you? Thanks for being here. It's all Syracuse's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. <laughs> and John Syracuse. Um, thanks for being here. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you didn't big off. I had a, a nightmare that you're like, nope, can't do it. Sorry, no. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I think I better get started now watching episode three in <laughs> Five 100, 100, 126 one-minute segments. Yeah. <laughs> Separated by a week of recovery after each. Yeah. Maybe just frame by frame. That's the good one, John. It's cool. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Oh, I hate sand. Anyway, uh, let's talk more about uh, trade disputes. Let's do that. We could at least have seen some actual trading to explain what they were disputing. <laughs> what are they trading? Uh, where is all this spice coming from? This isn't a Frank <laughs> Herbert novel. The spice must flow through Naboo, apparently. It comes from the uh, liquid core of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> they say that Naboo has no exports whatsoever and they rely on imports. But I look at the planet. And I say, it's a green, lush planet. How do they not grow a million things? Yeah. They should milk those giant ticks. Ugh. There's Gungan juice on everything. You don't want it. No. Yeah. It's Jar Jar. It's Jar Jar. <laughs> He's poisoned everything. It comes down to Jar Jar. <sighs> All right. Sure. Well, that's it. We're done. I hope you're happy, everybody out there. <laughs> we, I'm what, really not. What we do for you, what, because we love. Anyway, that's it for this. And uh, when we'll be back for episode three, I don't know. We'll have to consult our doctors. Until then, oh. thanks for listening. Goodbye. May the force be with you. Stay away from sand. I don't like sand. I don't like sand. Sand is pretty soft, guys. Coarse, and it's rough. It's rough. And it's irritating. Sand isn't rough. And gets in between your toes. And it gets everywhere. I've been to the beach. Sand is nice and soft. You can fall down on it. You know what? When you're when you're starting off a, a pickup line, you're going to end with smooth and uh, and soft. Yeah, yeah. You really don't want to throw in sand in the underwear into the yeah. imagery <laughs> stew, like you. I, I think it's very telling that that line is actually I don't like sand, and yet everybody oh, remembers it as I hate I sand. Hate sand. <laughs> it's because that's in his character. Of course, it's it's, rough. it's in the character of anybody who's seen the movie. They're trying to give him some kind of strong emotion, which he ought to be expressing at that point in the movie, but isn't. Yes. It's not. Never does. And it gets everywhere. Ha ha ha. That's my funny line in this scene. I vaguely dislike this it's thing, everywhere. but I vaguely like you. Let's yes. get married.
Let's get married. <laughs> okay, and Natalie, you just stand there like a statue. Good, good. good. No expression. Good. Keep doing that. He's going to touch you. Don't shrink away. Good. Okay. <laughs> Try your best, sweetheart. All right. No, it's we're, hard. We're done.